Hi, my name is Kathy Bissell. Welcome to the Golf Show 2.0. This week we have a gentleman who really is Emmy Award winning. And worse than that, he knows Gary Van Sickle. They were in college together. Gary, take it away. He won an Emmy despite knowing me. We're, we're very <laughs> similar. I know someone named Emmy. Uh, he was on with Carson. I know I've been to Carson Street in Pittsburgh and He's been on with Letterman, and uh, I used to have a 45 by the Letterman. <laughs> so very similar. The great Jeff Cesario. And I looked this up, Jeff, and may maybe you have too. I looked up who's the biggest celebrity to ever come out of Kenosha, Wisconsin, your hometown. Yeah, I would say I'm probably fourth or fifth. If well, that. you were actually the third person listed on Wikipedia, but that was because it's alphabetical, and the first category was artists and authors. So under the so, well, Al Molinero uh, Al, from yeah, um, Happy yeah, Days from Happy Days is from Kenosha. You get all the Amici's. You got Alan and Jack, and then you've got uh, Don Amici, Alan and Don Amici, Don Amici, and, yeah. and Alan was a Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, uh, I got a baseball player named Augie Schmidt. Yeah, Augie was big when I was back there, man. That's wild. Then uh, you have uh, um, yeah. Mark Ruffalo, the the actor yep. from uh, the contemporary actor, and also Orson Welles spent a minute in Kenosha. Orson Welles was gonna, is the correct answer, the most famous. Uh, yeah, the guy yes, from the right stuff. Scott Glenn is from Kenosha, but, but people don't no. know who Orson Welles yes. is anymore. Scott Glenn well, is from Kenosha? Wow. Yeah. I didn't know Dan that. Daniel Travanti from Hill Street Blues. Daniel Travanti, I knew. Now, Travanti's above me. And, and uh, there might, uh, you, you don't even have to separate. I was going to say they should have a separate list for Italians, but it's almost one and the same. You got yeah. Ruffalo, Ruffalo <laughs> Molinero, Travanti, Cesario. You got them all. Yeah. Orson <laughs> Welles was either correct answer. I also would have taken. Jen Ledger of Skillet or Dave Matrive of Jungle Rot, two great rock groups. Oh, sure. They're actually a weird. I'm pretty sure you played percussion for one of those groups. Uh, no, I never played for uh, uh, whatever those, what was that name? Jungle Rot. Jungle I've had rot. Jungle Rot, but I never played for Jungle Rot. Oh, and um, here's another one. Uh, played with Neil Young, uh, someone by the name of John Fumo. Oh, yeah. But uh, not, but not Joe Fumo. No, not Joe Those Fumo. College buddies. Yeah, no, John Fumo, and <laughs> um, uh, Dan Fornero. Another Kathy, you're getting a whole history lesson. I, on how I was gonna, I was gonna stop you and have have you explain to people where you went to school. Oh well, uh, because we missed that. The University yeah, of I didn't Wisconsin. Say it. I didn't mention yeah. it. It's it's kind of a magic act too. I kind of I have slate of mouth. A lot of people have slate of hand. Uh, but uh, Dan Fornero and John Fumo were both trumpet players, roughly my generation, a little younger, uh, who came out of Kenosha and came here to Los Angeles and became two of the top call trumpet players in town yeah. and uh, studio players. Yeah, they played on everything. And in fact, Fornero, I'm not sure about Fumo, but Fornero, played for oh, like over a decade with um, Phil Collins. Oh, wow. uh, so, so yeah, there was just really good public school 
music education. When I was yeah. in high school used to be. Uh, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, I went to Mary D. Bradford, the first high school, public high school west of the Alleghenies, I believe is the. Really? Uh, oh. Well, I'm, I'm going to rank you behind Orson Welles and Al Molinaro. And uh, I forgot one other name, Nick Van Exel, great basketball player. Oh, Nick Van Exel, yeah. But you are definitely in the top five. Congratulations. Van, and uh, Melvin Gordon, the tremendous yeah. talent. Yeah, that's right. Well, and we're going to go way back. You got Alan Amici, the Heisman Trophy winner. From I the might Michigan. be like 11th now, which and, is kind yeah, of well, you're close to the top 20. You know, you both, were on, you both were on the student newspaper at the University of Wisconsin. That's right. Journalism students. Do you have a big clock in front of you that's saying we have to hit certain topics at certain no, times? No, I just this is just for people who don't know everything about both of you because they're going to wonder yeah. who are these people and what are they yeah. talking about? I would hope they would know uh, Van Sickle because no, no, no. Well, you're like a co-host you know, of the look, I I don't know how many times I told you. The future is print. The future is newspapers. <laughs> yes. And you could have been, you, you're the best sports yeah. writer who never was because you foolishly got out of sports writing and got into this TV, yeah. entertainment, performing, the internet. Those are all fads that are going to go away. Yeah, they'll bit. die soon. They you might know, be. The, show, the two Showtime specials, who's going to watch those? Come on. I don't even. Yeah, let me tell you. I'll give it to you in a nutshell. Uh, I uh, I went to school at the University of Wisconsin Madison. I wrote on the student paper with Gary Van Sickle and a bunch of really great journalists who yeah. uh, proceeded to be journalists. I had a problem with facts that took away, <laughs> and I would often just write the funniest things that came to mind. And I was fortunate that I had people at the Daily Cardinal, the student newspaper at Wisconsin, who encouraged that. I then took that and. Uh, eventually um, tried stand-up comedy and became somewhat adept at it. I moved out to Los Angeles. I did uh, Letterman. I did The Tonight Show as a stand-up. I started to get some traction as a stand-up, and I wound up parlaying that into something else I'd always wanted to do, which was behind the cameras. So I wound up uh, writing and executive producing a show called Dennis Miller Live for HBO. Yes. And that's where I won... Uh, two Emmys. I went from there to the Larry Sanders show, which is a very seminal show in television history from Gary, the great mind of Gary, the late great Gary Shanling. And then I proceeded to write some movies and kept writing in TV and kept doing stand up and, uh, and wound up writing for uh, Queen Latifah's daytime show. And uh, Russell Brand had a show that I wrote on for a while. And Brian Regan, another tremendous comic had a Netflix show. And I wrote on that. So I've kept pretty busy up till this very point right here. So and that's we have to get into people, the specifics on this, our students. This could be the stopper right here. Yeah. For people who want to know how to do that, is the secret you just move to Los Angeles and start knocking on doors? No, I think, um, especially Kathy, with the proliferation of platforms on yeah. which you can park your stuff, yes. I would uh, not move to Los Angeles. I would stay in any regional market that's big enough to have a comedy scene of any sort. And yeah, I would, yeah. I would try that. I would try stand up. I would try improv. I would blog. I would do a podcast. I would try a number of the platforms. I would do TikTok vids. 
I would do uh, Instagram vids. I would do different things and YouTube, even try your own YouTube channel, you know, try to get some stuff out there. I would try all of that stuff and see where your personal funny bone is. See where, see what you respond the most to, what you feel the most natural and confident in doing and, and what you're funniest at, what people laugh at the most, but do them all just because it's a good practice to exercise that funny muscle in virtually uh, anything. And nowadays I, I don't envy uh, people starting out right now because uh, as much as, as, as much as it's improved in one level, which is it's not as, as brutally competitive as it was when I was coming up. When I was coming up, there was really just The Tonight Show with Johnny yeah. Carson. If you wanted to make it as a stand-up, you had to get on that show. Yeah. To get on that show, you had to do certain things and get to a skill level. And so the funnel on, on the top side was huge. And the funnel on the bottom was this little pinprick called The Tonight Show. And you had to squeeze through that. Nowadays, you can make it without ever doing national television of any sort. In fact, television has probably dropped to fourth or fifth on the pecking order of important wow. things to do to try to make a career. There are people on YouTube channels making seven figures easily um, and becoming stars in their own right. Now, if they want to transfer that to movies or television, it's a little tricky, but you can still make tremendous amounts of money. There's a lot of great stand-up comedians out there who have one of them just hosted Saturday night live this past weekend, Nate Bargatze, who just worked super hard on the clubs and the theaters around the country, developed their own um, demographic and were able to connect with that demographic through social media. And now they've got two, three, four, five million followers. They have fans everywhere and they can just be their own cottage industry. So yeah. I would say do that. Try all of those avenues and see where you're comfortable being funny. How, and then how, did, you, how did you learn? How did you learn to write funny? Gary always says it's really hard to write funny. He says not everybody can do it. And you obviously have a gift. Well, so does Gary. I mean, Gary, yeah, I Gary and I were were <laughs> I, I will, will not hesitate to say the funniest, yeah. <laughs> the funniest writers on the student paper were, were Gary and I. I think well, some people felt they were funny. Yeah, and, you mentioned. You know, Gary always had a very natural rhythm and a really good, uh, sharp eye for a brief joke. And in print, man, it better be brief. Yeah. But but I kind of took those that discipline of sports writing with me when I got into writing. I would write kind of on deadline for myself. I would make myself write jokes about certain topics, even if I didn't find them necessarily funny. Uh, just to just to see if I could write jokes in that area. Um, okay. I, and when I was a kid, I just loved the Tonight Show. I mean, that's the emotional connection. I just loved watching comics on the Tonight Show. I mean, I remember seeing Rodney Dangerfield on there. I remember seeing Steve Landisberg on there. I remember seeing a comic who had a great influence on me, uh, Franklin Ajay, uh, uh, who was just so funny. And and I kept responding on a really visceral gut level. It, even as a kid, I didn't necessarily think, Ooh, I'm going to be a comic, but I thought I got to do that. I got to try that sometime, some way I got to do that. And that muscle kind of took over. And then I was a horrible athlete. So 
uh, you know, I was a pretty good football player, but I didn't have size. I, when I, when I got out of flag football, that was it. You know, I would have got killed as a buck 20 if I was anything. So, so I, so comedy and humor was more what I relied on to overcome huge social issues that I had. I I would imagine if they'd had it back then, guys, I would have been somewhere on the spectrum, even just mildly because I was brutally shy and I did really didn't know how to I think a lot of people on a natural level. So I think, I think a lot of people are that way and they just think that they're the only ones it's, you know, that's that's high school in a nutshell right there. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody's cool except me. Why is that? Yeah. Yeah. It just, it takes a lot of courage to, you know, walk up to, I mean, I remember the first time I interviewed Arnold Palmer I thought part of me inside is like screaming, my God, it's Arnold Palmer. And then <laughs> I realized I have my questions. I can do this. But, you know, the first time you talk to someone like that, it is a little scary. And you just. Yeah. The first it. time I would talk to anybody, it was scary. <laughs> yes. uh, so. So, yeah. But yeah, you're right. You know, you just got to kind of figure out a way to get over it. And I think, you know. Facing your worst fear which was connecting with people was the best way to conquer that fear. And that's kind of what I did. And I re- I'll never forget going to a club in Minneapolis, visiting a friend and, uh, and we went to see the show. And I just remember thinking, I, I literally had to, had to leave about 30 minutes in because I just said, I'm, I'm so uncomfortable being down here in the crowd I think I'm supposed to be up there telling jokes. And that's when I said, all right, that's it. I got to, I got to drop everything. And at the time I was doing some writing, some freelance writing, and I was still doing some music. And uh, I just said, I got to drop everything and and just do stand up comedy. Well, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned writing at the student paper, the daily Cardinal. uh, And the funniest thing ever written at the daily Cardinal wasn't actually by you or me. It was uh, from the special edition when we, uh, the president announced the end of the Vietnam War, I've got a copy of the paper here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, That's paper, the... the student paper was a little radical. Yeah. So when we said we're getting out of Vietnam, it was victory, meaning North Vietnam, we win. Hey, yeah. We had special green ink that day. And, and Jeff. You can imagine that, that newsroom, Kathy. Um, University of uh, Wisconsin is always known for being like, like yeah, well, we had a, a radical hotbed. Yeah. yeah. And that was most of the newsroom. And then there was this corner of it that was the sports writers, yeah. several <laughs> of whom had a radical bent to them as well. But I, what I remember most about that, Gary, was that we had worked on a uh, parody edition of That's the uh, local city newspaper, the uh, the uh, Wisconsin State Journal. Wisconsin State Journal. The, yep. We'd worked on it for what, three months? We had meticulously cobbled together a parody of, of the of the sports columnist and then a, a parody of the uh, football beat writer and a parody and the brewer, of the, the bowling writer. And we covered everything. We worked on it. We said, okay, we're ready. And they said, we'll even give you green ink. And we went, all right. And then we said, okay. It'll be come out on Monday or whatever the hell it was, uh, such and such a date. And then 
were were set in back then in hot type yeah. were set and then like overnight they settled the Vietnam War they signed the piece of the Paris Peace Accords <laughs> and so now it went from a four page paper to like a 16 page student paper and they crashed the editorial department crashed all night and wrote 12 pages of of uh you know finally the Vietnam War is over stuff and we got relegated to that page where the sports normally is and I'm sure everybody, there's like this, this whole anti-Vietnam war, 12 pages of it. And then there's a sports parody thing on the end of it. It, it made no sense at all, but we had to run with it. Yeah. And uh, apparently we learned, you know, much later that the guy, the older guys at the state journal that we made fun of really didn't like, didn't like this. Uh, Jeff wrote the piece in the style of the esteemed bowling writer, Joe Dahmershausen, who had always sounded like when made his rounds at the bowling alleys in the area. And instead of like uh, picking up payola, he just went around and got free food and beer and stuff. Right. Uh, he was, he became Joe never splits him. Yeah. And wrote a humorous. <laughs> so I just reread this stuff. Doesn't hold up quite as well because we actually went to such great lengths to write in the style of the guys that you had to, appreciate in yeah. those guys but anyways i've got it right here it said there victory. It well I've, we were I've so never filled. seen a funnier headline than that no we were so filled from a humor influence standpoint by um uh you know national lampoon radio hour and uh, uh i think we were Irish even before that was even before that Mad Magazine. Yeah. and i mean you know yeah we, we were listening definitely. to things like that and reading things like that so when we got the opportunity we just um i tried say it was to all emulate it was, that you know it was all mad magazine's fault yeah 